Driveline R&D Podcast, episode 20, June 27th. I'm Anthony Brady, head biomechanist at Driveline Baseball, co-host of the Research and Drinks Podcast. Joined today, as always, with biomechanist and R&D engineer, Kyle Lindley, as well as quantitative analyst, co-swag manager of baseball analytics for Driveline Baseball, Alex Caravan. Right off the bat, we're switching things up a bit with the format, how we're doing things around here. So we've uploaded the entire podcast with a few additional segments to our YouTube page. That'll be linked in the description below. On today's show, Caravan starts off by answering some college war questions he received last week. He goes a bit more in depth on expected run values, actually pulls up a spreadsheet that he used for that. So in the link in the video below, that's probably going to be the best way to check out that segment. We then talk more about the new track launch, which we talked about last week, as well as the edge developments and other integrations that we're really excited about uh, in that new track. Caravan then talks about some analytic research ideas that he thinks any of the listeners could actually get into if they wanted. At the end of the podcast, we did about a 15-minute segment where we screen shared, went over our biomechanics assessment report, how we kind of walk athletes through that, a couple of things that we look at here and there, and that'll be best viewed at the YouTube link below. There'll be a separate video, and we hope you enjoy. Another R&D podcast, episode 20. Don't burp while I'm talking, we Lindley. This... Is that Lindley? <laughs> I didn't yeah. think we were go- going. Wow. Keep that in. This is Alex Caravan, co-host, uh... oh, yeah. co-host and co-swag manager of baseball analytics, drinking a twisted tea. I've already drank most of my tea. So I'll slap in a little uh, Kentucky Street bourbon whiskey. As always, a test if my roommate Max is watching the episode, as it is his alcohol. I'll sprinkle this a little bit since it's noon on Saturday. Uh, you know, Max, if you see this. Hey, it's the afternoon. What's up? It's the afternoon. That is true. Same deal last week, too. It's the afternoon. You're good. Uh, take it away. I'm Kyle Lindley. Nice. Traveling uh, R&D engineer, drinking a, where's my bottle opener, Lagunitas IPA. And I'm... Red and true to the OG. I'm Anthony Yo, Brady. open out my teeth. <laughs> I'm Anthony Brady, the main uh, host... God damn it. ...of the, the primary host, the only, you know, uh, you know, primary host of the R&D podcast, Research and Drinks podcast, episode 20... June 27th, 2020. I'm drinking the Boulevard Boulevard Brewing Tank 7 American Saison. Saison Ale. Uh, yeah. Also, and, and, and like last episode, is it full of water? We're going to cut that part okay. out. We're going to cut that okay. part out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, all I, that's all I need. Uh, that's all the answer I need. We're, we're gonna we're gonna cut that part out. Uh, I'm drinking because uh, I'm you know last time I, I drank a 11% beer. Eleven percent water, bro. <clears throat> gonna cut that out as well. This time I'm also drinking an 8.5% beer at at noon on a Saturday. So I'm I'm way more of a beast than Caravan. This the all right, bro. You want me to you want me to train this whole thing on camera as I as I sip coffee. You want, uh, you want me to pull a shoe nice and just take this to the dome? Please. <laughs> shoe nice, baby. Please, yes and you no. You just stick a deodorant. LA Beast. LA Beast videos. All right, yeah. This is, this is episode 20. We made it to 20 episodes. How many, what is that? Five months? Mm-hmm. Almost half a year. I heard Caravan's throwing a party next weekend for uh, episode 20. Mm-hmm. We're going to have all this, our, we're, we're, we're going to have 10 guests. We, we've had a, uh, quite a few guest requests. We're going to have them all on at the same time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. we're gonna have them all at the same time and we're only gonna let each one answer one question okay so if, if you guys get an invite uh you know we've, we've had a couple i'll just shout them out yeah. uh some people internally daniel coin eric jagers some past employees david yeah. howell uh a few other uh you know not not trying to run into a list here and then run out of steam and forget right. someone so i'll head myself off before Good. getting too far deep but yeah we have maybe eight to ten so- solid guest requests Jigs and is, we'll have them jigs is, jigs is- He's, he's headed to Cincinnati. Baseball is back. That's true. I don't he's think going, he's going to make the party. Oh, yeah, because uh, spring training is happening at the home, home yeah, stadium. Yeah, I was uh, talking to him yesterday. Yeah, man, he's, uh, head, he's heading there. 
Jay's okay. trying to figure out. Jay's trying to figure out if I can uh, consult for him after I put up that analytics memo. Oh, he really? Said, he, he's talking to Red's farm director to see if I can sign an NDA. And Jake's pays me out of his own pocket for that me to do some awesome. analytics work for him <laughs> on the awesome. side. That'd be tight. I'm, I uh, feel like though that comment might have just like nullified sunk it. it. Sunk it. Yeah, yeah. I think you might have just sunk it and any possibilities of an NDA right there. So. Oh, you're not allowed to talk about the NDA. I don't. I don't know how it works, but I you mean, can. maybe maybe you are after the deal's been made, but it's probably a bad look to talk about the NDA before the NDA has been signed. I think. Good thing I was obviously joking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and good thing. Good, uh, yeah. If you're if you're the Red Farm director, definitely don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. And and, and then we'll, we'll clip that part out and put it in the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. We'll we'll clip that out. We'll clip the whole like water thing because there's definitely beer in here. Uh, just to be clear with everyone. Yeah. Let, let's see those bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> it's bubbly. <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, this this might this might be the slowest start to a podcast yet. Yep. But uh, la, la, I this, think we say that every week. Big, big change. Yeah, and it gets podcast Yeah, it gets changes. slower every time. Big changes um, in the podcast soon. Yeah, and ironically, we might not even know what the changes are uh, based on based on the current <laughs> workflow. We might we might we might find out with our fans. You know, the world the world is uh it, it's crazy. I still can't but, believe that we're five months five months into podcasting, and before this was pre quarantine. It seems like so much further away than that, dude. Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking like, well, yeah. What if our chemistry in person is just super bad now? I think my chemistry. I think, <laughs> I think in this general, is saving us. Uh, yeah, I think in general, my chemistry in person with everyone is just going to be like so weird. Uh, I don't know. It'll be- I don't think it was too bad. I don't think it was too bad. Too bad hanging out with Joe and his girlfriend the other week, uh, Lindley. What'd you think? Yeah, but, no, but it wasn't bad at all. Legitimately, for a couple of seconds there, I was like. Dude, I've talked to Joe. The last 40 times I've talked to Joe have been all over Zoom. So just yeah. kind of like not seeing him in person. Yeah, it's got to be really weird. Yeah, it's, uh, also for it's not bad new here, listeners. Because we have uh, new... with the athletes and everything. Oh, yeah. we're, we're saying Lindley. For new listeners, uh, we did start this podcast before quarantine. So this wasn't uh, yeah. <laughs> a response to quarantine. So yeah. we're, not, we're not one of those, uh, you know, just like. Bought out the bought out the Amazon mics. Figured. Oh, we also we also peaked. We also peaked before quarantine. Yeah, we also probably <laughs> oh, have sure. less less viewers slash viewership than most of the other podcasts that did start during. <laughs> but again, it's all changing. Uh, our CEO, Dirty Mike Rathwell, is about to put a, a lot of money a lot of money behind this uh, marathon, behind this podcast. Marathon, not a sprint. And you know, if if you're one of the OG 100, how about this? I mean, we'll definitely offer some sort of discount. Uh, a discount deal but start taking screenshots now of listening because if you're one of the our og current uh first 100 fans yeah there, there'll be something that works for you uh, in the future yeah i mean when, when quarantine ends and all of these other like coaches and strength people they go back to like working with athletes their their podcasts are gonna there's no way like <laughs> what do you what do you think the percentage is of just like podcast people with podcast day podcast drop off post quarantine no like i mean ours is gonna make it uh, episode 100 because we promised so many you know locked up clips at that point already and we have so, and we have so many important people like listening we have very few people they're all very important yes it's, yes. it's funny how you guys uh you guys you know mentioned we're probably getting more viewers from quarantine but should we talk about the amount of viewers we got in the last episode nope anyways uh so this last <laughs> week we launched we, we, we launched something we've launched. been talking about for a while Lance. Yeah, dude. Are we going? Uh, are, we, are we going straight into the next segment, or are we are we doing anything on uh on last week, or, or going straight into track edge? That that is last week, honestly, for me. But I, I guess uh, <laughs> if you if you have something, if you guys have something last week that's not that, um, really a lot a lot of Arizona ops, uh, as, as usual down here, tons of logistics, a lot of things going on. Um, Arizona isn't the best uh place right now for for a lot of things going on so we've uh had to really tighten things up with training we're taking like a ton of precautions uh and just going like super ham on everything because we want to keep being able to to train athletes so um we're, we're super stringent we've like ramped up sanitation um uh mandated mask while training all the all these things kind of like Make sure we keep like ourselves safe, the athletes safe. Uh, and we, in the middle of the week, lost our field that we were doing live ABs on. 
Uh, oh, no. Because the high school district that we were using shut down all their facilities until like mid-July. But yesterday morning, we're able to secure and find another field and we're able to still pull off uh, some live ABs last night. So that was pretty good. Got some more uh, ELO data as well. Um, you know, write up will come soon. It, it'll, it'll be out there eventually. But uh, yeah, that was really all the AZ ops. Um, got some exciting like validation and reliability testing updates on pitch AI with, with paired data and uh, got a big mocap day tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Got another like 20, 20, 30 mocaps. Uh, to, That's so wild, tomorrow. dude. That, that was my 20 mocaps. That was my last week. On a completely separate note, breaking the fourth wall here a little bit. Uh, my brother claims he did not smoke heaters in here, so I don't know what it is, but it still smells kind of rough. So if I pass that on camera, that's why. But anyways, go ahead, Lindley. Last week, I just did uh, some study things, put together some documentation as well for uh, like other people in the company who have research ideas, how to put those together and organize them in a way that we can just like maximize our research output. Okay, uh, playbook pipeline. Yeah. And so we can uh, kind of expand R&D out of just or expand research out of just <laughs> out of just uh, the R&D department. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, just some writing and then a couple a couple requests from uh, trainers for looking into a little bomb mechanics investigation. I'd say that, well, that's also actually one thing that I did a bunch last week is uh, fucking reading and uh, reviewing and like scoping out a bunch of work that you guys have done. Which was which was pretty cool. One of them was it, was Dan's dissertation. Oh yeah, that, on the Arsenal that, scores. That was a lot. I, I tried so hard to read like link by link and reference by reference, but um, man, that was a that was a novel. Um, and then yeah, reading all reading all of you guys' uh, stuff, then then giving some some feedback here and there. You said you did get a chance to take a look at SPM blog too? Uh, yeah, I looked at SPM like super late last night. I threw in a couple uh, comments on the doc, like very minor things oh, really? that I just like noticed. But uh, I have like a, I have some notes down here actually on some more general thoughts, trying to like uh, give a little more interpretation of like tying all those those metrics in together, which I'll hit you guys with later. But there's there's one note I put on the doc that is hilarious. With uh, there, there's an error um, in uh, one of the things. If you're looking at it, I, I I thought it was like just comical. It was the test of I want to say all tall throwers, hard versus soft, and the description of like the throwers in each group was so off. Like I think you might have just like <laughs> copied and pasted or something. Uh, but it was it was really really fun. What do you mean, like the average height and the average velo? Uh, yeah, like you, you really, the, I think the wording was just like copied and pasted, um, from somewhere else in the document. So it just like sounds hilarious. See where it is. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty so sure. Among, okay. This is, this is really good. Among the tall throwers, we have 17 hard throwers and six soft throwers. And then you say the hard throwers sat 73 miles per hour. So the hard throwers threw slow while the yeah. short throwers were 90.5. So, oh yeah, something just the same. The same thing happened on the short on the short group. The same thing happened. I fixed it. Yeah, the hard tall throwers threw slower than the short, but also tall throwers. Like, bro, if you take the literal, it's numbers, dog. I'm a numbers guy, dude. (laughs) It's just it was it was so funny. It was like among the tall throwers, we had these breakdown, and then it goes to the short throwers were the hardest of the yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't get past that. I stopped reading after that point. Uh, and I'll, I'll circle back to it later. That was good stuff. Uh, uh, um, I was going to say on that note, the we, we could talk about kind of our uh, the back and forth we had with Joe and Dan about what we should be pushing the first two months when we are in gym because we're going to be in gym. We're going to have athletes soon. And what we're essentially doing is we have a few internal ideas, but we're also going to be going to be pushing something we have pushed in, in the in the past but have a more regulated uh cohesive attempt at it where we try to have as many technologies running as often as possible for anybody that comes in mocaps has edgetronic so someone would mocap have edgetronic throw something with you know on rap soto 
the DK ball, yep. pitch logic ball, like something like that. Just have everything laid out, yep. mark whatever sensors, and then have everything go to track and then look at the track back end, try to loop everything together and really like really nail down uh paired validations across like multiple technologies at once yeah especially with the like pitch ai stuff uh down here with like paired vocab files and videos and and velocity and all of that um yeah it's just just gonna like pay off so much more in the future so like every uh, at least the the idea that i was thinking of is like every single pitch that's thrown in the lab which is also i'm super excited about the facility where the lab will only be for the lab like the 4-3 lab at the old facility was like the biomechanics lab for two hours in the morning. And then it was like the pitch design lab slash mound for a couple hours. And then it was like a training place. And then it was also, you know, youth training, all that stuff. It's like the lab at the new facility is only going to be the lab. And like no training is going to go down in there unless it's part of like research and lab stuff. So I'm super excited about the idea that every single pitch that is thrown in the lab has an ID attached to it. And then all of the various technologies that we're on, you know, so we can just have like a massive, uh, you know, database later for uh, pairing or, or insights, whether it's like video and, and CV stuff or technology validations um, or, or even like, I think the other really exciting one too is building um, like models off the more complex data that like maps towards the like simpler data uh, kind of a thing. You know, like like simplifying that and building those out, like the estimations uh, of those metrics. Here, still oh, muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a completely separate note, um, also, can you guys hear a little bit of background noise on my end? Not really. Okay. Bad. You've been muted, but yeah, yeah. Kind of was, when you haven't like, been muted, I couldn't hear anything. Sl- slightly open window. Someone talking outside. Uh, I actually just pulled this up. So like, uh, I, I don't know if they're comfortable getting their name shared on on zoom so i won't do it but someone reached out to me with some specific uh someone that works for works in analytics for a college reached out to me with some questions about war and a few of them are fairly nuanced questions that i'll probably take some my time and write up a little bit but i thought it'd actually be kind of fun and you know a loop back to since we've mentioned war for a couple episodes running now uh, i could answer a few of them on, on online like on the spot now i'm looking at them and a, I mean, save me about four minutes of work, I guess, just sending him this recording and potentially get a new uh, R&D podcast fan. Yeah. But but also also things that other people are wondering about. So uh, yeah, if you guys are down, I, I can I can drop a couple couple like three to five minute blurbs on this. Oh, but I have it. some of his questions. Yeah, yeah I have right some of his now. questions. So the 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 email is titled, and it's totally on the spot. The email is titled "Question about War and Other Advanced Analytics." This guy really politely reached out to me over Twitter. I gave him my email, so he reached out. Uh, so his first question is: It's a pretty big uh, qualifier at the end of that that title. It'd be pretty hot, like pretty sweet if you got an email that was just titled "Questions about War." Yeah, <laughs> just, like, just like whoa. Yeah, yeah. What what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first the first line is just like yeah. My my thoughts are yeah. uh you know going back to the Crusades. It's always <laughs> been uh, oh wow okay yeah, yeah. uh so so his first question is. How did you go? Uh, how did you initially go about compiling all the statistics from across all levels of D1? Where did you get the information from? Was there a specific program used? And I've actually gone this question a, a little bit uh, over time, you know, whether in Twitter DMs uh, or just like even people internally. And we basically scraped play by play data for D1, D2, and D3. And there was actually an open repository as well that we, that we accessed. I think I, sent the link to a guy on Twitter, uh, but I'll probably link it in the description. It is, let's see. Um, yeah, probably not going to find it right right now, but it's, uh, yeah, somebody has a repository on GitHub where they have, oh, here we go. Okay. So the guy's name is actually Dav Miller and he has a GitHub page and it's a play-by-play scraper and it's an R. Okay. His next question is, is there a way to change the general league averages to divide them by conference? Would that change the outcome of actual war by player? Uh, so oh, that would change the, that would change the war, that would change the average war by player because then the replacement level is yeah. going to be completely different based yeah. on the conferences, um, which there might be, it might be worth you doing that for investigating like inter, like inner conference, yeah. uh, different values. Cause That's some, some teams will, 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 will face different uh, schedules. We did accommodate for this 
by incorporating strength of schedule, which is something that is not incorporated in MLB war. So it's actually the reason we did that. We did it specifically to avoid having the va- wide variance in level of play between conferences. Yeah. Um, That's and yeah. And then his, a couple, he had a couple questions on our uh, guts page, which I don't know if you guys saw that or if you guys know what I mean when I say guts. Uh, but like sabermetrically speaking, if you go to fan graphs, you look at, you look at stuff like guts, um, it'll have coefficients for each year. Cause like, you know, in a year, a single might be worth a different value, stuff like that. Like kind of, kind of relevant to what I was giving you Brady for ELO. Um, each, each, each play will have different like coefficients and scales and everything. So he had a couple questions about, um, about, uh, guts. So there, uh, so he asked about like the environment and run differential and, and team and team factor or park factor. He's probably talking about, and there is a park factor calculation. Uh, we talked about it in our introduction to sea war. So I don't want to get too much, too much into it and, uh, too detailed, but basically in the grand scheme of things, park factors is a way to normalize the scoring environment. Cause in some, in some, uh, in some parks, it's easier to score runs. Some are pitcher parks. So we want to like, you know, smooth out people's statistics across those parks. So they're not biased by a pitcher pitching in a, in a you know, in a very pitcher friendly park. Um, that also so yeah. accounts for difference in, in uh, like calibration or measurement. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Um, and uh, we're, we, we, in our war, we actually adjusting FIP and not RA9 or ERA. So the park factor will be regressed even heavier to avoid overfitting on a metric that doesn't consider non home run balls in play. Because you know, FIP is already supposed to be taking in consideration, uh, like like the park a little bit out of it. Yeah. So if we weren't using FIP, we'd actually use park factors. We actually regress, uh, like uh, we actually use park factors even more. Mm. Uh, so next question is he talks about run expectancy and so and how like that coaching staff is interested in run expectancy. Um. So he, this is a, it's, this is probably a question I'll, I'll have to give him a bit more detail of an answer writing up, but he asks, uh, based on the run expectancy chart, would you say that this philosophy of continuously throwing strikes is advantageous for us? Or would you think that there's maybe a better way of going about things? Uh, because he, he talks about like, you know, should throw strikes in each count. I would say, I would say, yeah. I mean, oh, oh like you can get kind of lost in looking at stuff like RE288. Which is each, each like count, each possible count by each possible number of outs by the bases being full, and actually, all I think this is a good time to, I could potentially impromptu screen share here, uh, okay. again unplanned, unplanned screen share, but maybe right. we can clip this segment out. Uh, okay, t- t- toss your boy, a, toss your boy a bone. Uh, that's gonna be up to up to Lindley. Okay, got it. So, yep. Um, this is a this is an RE two eighty eight. Here are the counts. Here are the bases full combinations, and here are the outs. So yeah. this is essentially like you'll notice this is the highest word expectancy value, which makes sense, right? Count three zero, bases loaded, zero outs, and uh, you know something like something like o two o two no runners on two outs should be the lowest. So that's probably around here, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so again, a lot of this is used not necessarily for someone, you know, it, I don't think it makes sense for someone trying to gear their approach based on the difference between like a three Oh three, one count as much. I think that's a little bit, you can get way too granular with it. And a lot of this is used specifically for building cohesive advanced analytics and stats. So I, I don't think you should impact your, your general game plan based on running expectancy rather use that to evaluate like performance, yeah. If that makes sense, uh, and like success of pitches again, like on a co- he on like a general sense, like you right. average out run expectancies. Don't worry about so much of like okay, this guy, how how does the curveball compare on a three zero count versus the, the versus the fastball, so forth. Uh, yeah. So again, would not worry too much about that stuff. Um, a couple more questions about the count. Like I said, I'll answer those a bit more. And then here's a really interesting question. Is there a way to properly predict how their numbers will translate at, at that next level? Are there any specific numbers that give you a better indication of which players would be successful? Do you believe there's a correlation between a higher war in college 
and a successful major league career? Is there a way of proving it by finding the collegiate war for players in the post juiced bat era? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, the longer answer is yes. And it's still something we're working on. Although we have put some stuff out there. And yeah. if you look at some of the, there are existing draft models uh, that look on, look at like, you know, minor league war and then major league war and build models based off that. There are very few that have done college war. And it's something that we actually were thinking about pushing. We just couldn't push it in time for the actual draft. Uh, but the way to go about it and a way we will go about it is also we can, cause we only have sea war going back a few years. We have sea war. We have some people of sea war all the way back to 2013, but it's only like 2017 on that. We have position players, pitchers right. across all conferences. So those players don't really have major league. Uh, there might be a few, yeah. probably like a, probably like a, probably like a, a, a handful very, of people, very, right? Very rarely. Are yeah. They at yeah. League level right now. Yeah. 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 So, so the answer really is we need to like uh, get more backlog data all the way back to 2013 to really be able to tell. But or um, need that more, w- like or need more time for like major league data. Yeah, exactly. Because someone someone can have a poor first poor first two years and then still become an all star, still have a different career, like a, a full career. Yeah. So I believe that there's there, there's certainly you know, but like the the short answer is uh, what that we could be doing is linking war and college to their scouting grade, what they have even through the minors, right? Because scouting grades will adjust. Someone will have, someone will come in, maybe they're a 40 feature value, then they'll be like 50 feature value after a year in single A, whatever. Uh, so that is actually what we were planning on doing. Gotcha. Ran out of time a little bit, uh, shift around some priorities, but that is essentially the quicker feedback loop of what we would do for that. So that's basically all the questions. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the, some details on the count and stuff. Uh, in his email, but thanks for the questions. Um, I'll, I'll send you this. If you want me to drop your name on a podcast, I will next episode. And at the very least you listening to this is going to guarantee us at least one more view. Yeah. Anyways, I, 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 as we were. <laughs> yeah. uh, next topic we're from last week announcements went out, everything we talked about a bit on the podcast, but I think more info's uh, been, been dropped throughout the week. Certainly like, push marketing and content um have we gotten a bunch of feedback yet on uh people using it or are we still kind of in the in the process of getting it like distributed we we, we aren't really on it yet i mean i mean people are on track but the essentially like the unveiling uh which by the way i don't know if you guys realize this max realizes and pointed out to me you realize our our tiers of track spell free sex (laughs) because it's free (laughs) s e and S. s And then X. There's no E, oh. but I'm. You, you see, you would you would see yeah. free S and then X, and X yeah. dude. Track S, track X. Yeah. Well, wait, isn't but it doesn't? I the there bundle say is there not the a bundle P? say no. The on site so. on site is the other tier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it oh, says wait, like, there, like the way the the way the bundles are structured says like free S, S and X. X. There's like no space between free S and X. I mean, or there's there's a space, but there's no other words. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, sign up for a track, baby. Free that sex. Is, that is, that <laughs> is spicy for sure. Yeah. The uh, so the messaging went out, and then we've uh, gotten like a bunch of feedback, or asking people on kind of like what technologies they have, uh, kind of like what areas they might fall into. Those kind of yeah. Things. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was saying biggest thing is um, I, I think we've gotten a ton of positive feedback, especially like I said. I mean, I, I've I've been pushing. I've been spending a lot of my time on the marketing and product development of the actual, uh, the edge report. Yeah. The reports that like, that, uh, like I, m- myself and Dan created, and then, uh, York put up, put it together all in the edge architecture. Then we synced it up with the devs. Like all, all stuff we kind of talked about before the exciting thing has been how easily we've been able to push upgrades and like cater to demands. Cause we were already kind of thinking of talking about this, but you know, people wanted to see youth for swing profile. Yep. I got youth for swing profile. People want the ability to toggle different levels for comparison. I got that out. So it's kind of like almost been, I, I, I was marketing a swing profile like day after day, just being like, oh, you guys asked for it. Here it is. You guys yeah. asked for it. Here it is. Like it's specifically catered to demands, not only of our like trainers, also of our valued customers and things we can change like that. We're adding a ton more reports. Yep. Max wants me to actually uh, sit down and come up with, with what we can push out by, uh, you know, 
the next month because we're going to double up. We're going to we're going to send it on development costs that we need to the devs to get as much edge stuff as we can in there. Yep. So it's really, really exciting. And it's really, really fun to almost like instantly deliver something that customers are asking for. You know, like they ask for it and the next day you just push out something like, oh, this is actually now live. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, the uh, I mean, on my end, the most exciting thing is uh, uh, pitch AI and, and track integration development is now underway and should be in the next like, you know, three to four uh, weeks range before it's kind of like live and fucking so excited about that. I started like plugging it here and there on on socials. I know there it got brought up in the uh, Driveline Plus Slack channel, um, answered a couple questions. A lot of oh, people. I, did. I forgot. I forgot to look over there. Yeah, like the majority Sorry, of the questions are just like, how how does that even work? Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm uh, like in, in general, I've always been, and just like at at conferences, talking to people, I've always been a huge stickler for like you know, kind of uh, dumping on things that are like aren't valid, aren't reliable, that kind of thing. And I've been pretty like uh, you know bearish on the potential for like markerless compared to like yeah. markered. And I mean, I am you in your words. Yeah. I'm like, so I'm very, very excited about uh, where, where pitch AI is headed and the, the things that, you know, uh, son and I have been able to work on with like getting paired data from the mocaps down here in Arizona. And um, yeah, it's a, uh, it looks awesome. I, yeah. I can't like say too much yet. But I, I will say, Caravan, late last night, um, Son got me some figures. And uh, the. I'm trying to think of what I can say. Every. All errors were under 10%. Let's go. Which is. Which I, which I think is like insane. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Is there going to be an updated? Is there going to be an updated kind of uh, post in the Pitcher base camp? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to do just like a like a memo on like here's where we're at cuz a lot has changed. So much has changed in the last like 3 weeks uh with developments and the way that like things have been trained stuff. So Dude, yeah. Um, it, it's really exciting. It's really exciting having all these projects that we kind of talked about yeah. all kind of going forward at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I was talking to San about this as well in our in our weekly meeting. I think even in the messaging that went out on the like track launch and pitch AI stuff, I think the, the exact words in there were like, Oh yeah, you can now get a good enough biomechanics report with just like your iPhone. I think it's going to surpass that. Like it, it's looking at like the signal data. We're underselling it. We're underselling it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be more than just like good enough uh, from, from what we're seeing. And it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a product of us having so much knowledge of kind of like what matters in the, the complex, like marker biomech data and being able to like pull out the signal that does matter, find out like where it overlaps and when kind of a thing. Yeah. There's going to be issues. I guess I should have like prefaced this all with saying like, this isn't going to be mark the marker mocap lab. It's not going to be, you know, the same thing as our like $50,000 lab, all that stuff. But because we have all that data and what we do know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good. Well, one of the biggest things there is that we just like might get a shorter list of, of metrics, but the ones we do get, it's like, yeah, very strongly. Be good. Yeah. Going to, going to be good enough and like, or like good for changing or improving mechanics. Yeah. And there, there's so much potential too for, uh, I, 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 this hasn't been talked about much, but I think there's a large potential for in-game, in-game footage. Like if you can set up, uh, a camera, especially with the power of the iPhones nowadays, like I mean, like the 11 Pro Max with the three cameras and the zoom potential. I mean, you can you can set up an iPhone down the line as long as you're you know like perpendicular. I don't think it's out of the question that you'll be able to get that good enough or even better uh, biomechanics report on like in-game data, and it's going to be really fast once it's integrated with Track. All you're going to have to do is upload the video, and then you'll get the you'll get the report overlays. You know three-dimensional views of the mechanics and um the most exciting part is that's just the beginning right like that's the very beginning of the integration the partnership and, and i think it's going to go a lot uh a lot more places so very excited all right uh so we can we can move on 
to to keep this kind of like running at a decent clip with my NCAA interjection. We'll we'll move this on to uh, me kind of tossing out some some uh, sabermetric ideas for the general community because yeah. a couple of weeks ago or a week ago we like sat down and planned like Dan and I and the rest of the analytics wing. Um, specifically, we were looking for projects that we can kind of have working on the background, delegate, outsource, yep. and maybe check in, in a couple of weeks. And realistically, like we won't be able to do all of them. And some of them are incredibly niche. So I, I don't even know how interested other people are in this, but they definitely are things that I think are, are valuable. And like I said, if, if anybody else does like goes and does a public research and does it in a positive way, I mean, it'd be a, it'd be, uh, I think a great opportunity for someone to fill in the gap. Cause these are all things that I believe we've spent time like researching anything similar. And we know this is like a missing hole, so to speak. And also, uh, you know, do make, make work easier for us. Cause we we're, we're totally, we're completely looking for ways to, you know, incorporate more knowledge and build our, uh, you know, products better. Yeah, so if I'll say if you're one of the people that is like, uh, know what what should i do i want to get into like baseball analytics or or do something or like looking for a project uh i I would i would write down everything that caravan is about to say uh and then go do it because a lot of this stuff is public data right yeah 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 Yeah. and and i think most most like analysts playing around with, with stuff at home they have access to mlb data it's not that hard to get you can you can probably find stuff online i'll i'll shout out bill petty because yeah i think he has the easiest uh github for Play by, or like pitch by pitch scraping from MLB levels. He has some NCAA stuff as well. Yeah. Um, he, his stuff is really good and very easy to follow. It, it's it's an R, but either way, you can even if you don't use R, you can just set set R up for, up for that. Load it into a SQL database and then build whatever you want in another uh, another language. Yeah. But uh, I'll say, and, and a lot of it would would be good for. Um, it's honestly really good for someone who's done like maybe one initial project is already comfortable working with big data a little bit and then wants to get something a little bit more complex. Yeah. So I'll say first, first big one is there's been some stuff done on like times through the order penalty, uh, essentially like the second and third time facing the same hitters. How much, how poorly does your quality decline? Uh, or sorry, how, 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 how worse are you from an outcome point of view? Right. Do you get hit more? What I don't think has been done. And I think it's really oh, interesting okay. is this is from the pitcher's perspective. Yeah. 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 So, so pitchers get hit worse the second and third time they're facing through the lineup and there's tons of factors to consider there, you know, yeah. some natural fatigue, do the hitters recognize the pitches better? Uh, so forth. Yeah. Some self, uh, this shameless plug. I got a tweet thread out there about some, with some gauge tracking data on and, that. And that was before, exactly. that was before Lindley started getting some followers. So obviously got no love. So now, yeah. now, now Lindley I also now framed it a little self plug also framed it poorly. I think self plug shameless thread. I also saw you wrote, you, uh, you whipped up a personal blog. Oh yeah, yeah. Lindley, Kyle Lindley right, on just, Medium, I, dude. Lindley yeah, has a personal blog. <laughs> yeah, so I put out a, a Medium blog on. Uh, what was the book? Was it a? That was my second book? one. I did uh, one on Blink a few couple like a month ago or so. Yeah, I saw that and one. Then what I, was the one I, last week? I did uh, Perception. It was yeah. Joan Vickers, oh, like Quiet, Quiet Eye, Eye book. Yeah, Quiet Eye. Oh damn! You, it's stupid. It's it's not like a Whoa. it's it's not applied to baseball. <laughs> no it's not, it's not applied Lindley, to baseball. Lindley immediately uh, backtracking. Uh, well, dude, you, you know you know what well, my medium I'll blog is, it was right? Not stupid for you. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna put it on on this or like I, that's why I didn't put a long uh, like tweet thread yeah. about it because it's just like not applicable really cool. to baseball. I, I've thought, thought a lot about doing like a, a, a faceless Twitter blog. I know that I know that uh, yeah. like Bodie. I'm way more that. passionate about that one. Like he has that. Sorry, go ahead, Anthony. Seen other people do personal blogs. I think that's like pretty sweet. I think there yeah. are like cool things that I've always been like, damn, I should just like write this up from a like personal. Uh, public perspective but i don't yeah. so it was it was cool oh, yeah. I, I, I started designing my own website and i'm hoping to have a blog page on there too but yeah medium for now so at the very least the quality of your blog may have motivated slash inspired me to to like <laughs> do my own so let's go i think that's let's go. that's really it's just a grab at getting more uh, twitter followers so i could try to beat caravan i'm gonna go retweet it right now actually oh um, god you, you, you know my old school blog on uh medium uh, called Glanton and the Judge. 
I no, I haven't read it. I didn't know you had one. I'll have to I'll have to go check it out. Uh I, I, I think Nikolai and Bodie are like the only people I've, that I've read in the last two years. You, you know what, what Glenn and jo- also, also, by the way, Brady, whoever you told to like get ready to write this down is getting so pissed. Yeah, yeah sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but real quick, just check my retweets. They're just writing down Lindley's blog. They just wrote down Lindley's blog. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't expect any of you guys to read it because it, it was just a link. That's oh, trust me, bro. bro. I haven't read That's it. I haven't up, read it. It's all Brady, dog. That's messed up. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. All right. Analytics topics. Oh, okay. So, so time to order stuff. Paper and pen. I'm ready to start writing. <laughs> yeah, that's what we, we were buying time. Yeah, so I just got finished reading Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. What a book. <laughs> first, I think it's worth talking about my first main takeaway, which is yeah. that intuition and thin slicing can be productive. No, that's I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna write. I'm not gonna read uh, Lindley's Gladwell's Blink. Yeah. got it. I'm not gonna read Lindley's personal blog <laughs> line by line. But if you want to, go to medium.com slash at kyle.driveline slash well that actually is just go to so that. beast how did you pull yeah. that off at kyle.driveline oh my god! I, I made it when i was an intern and then i i the first time i sent it to somebody they're like dude what <laughs> yeah I, I just have to i'm gonna throw this on the, the hey Bodie, if you're listening to this man i'll i'll sell it look at this you, you could you look could buy this. the you can buy the handle off look at this up here at kyle dot driveline what a beast oh my <laughs> gosh dude the the, the the shitty thing with this That's episode is awesome. we're, we're trying to convince mike and everyone to to put more money and push our episodes uh more and so far this is probably the most all over the place episode yet. yeah this is a, this is just a tough segment but it's okay let's get into the analytics stuff this is good this is good um anyways okay so we talked about times through the order and that's heavily based on outcomes right hit do hitters get hit more that kind of stuff but what I think would be really interesting is looking at it from an intrinsic pitch quality point of view. So how much do oh. you like if you're to categorize pitches with an arsenal score or something similar, your own intrinsic pitch quality measure, there's stuff out there, Glenn Healy stuff, uh, other, other people's like per pitch run values or whatever measure of pitch quality, mm-hmm. seeing how much that fatigues. Yeah. So does, does the curveball like drop less? Uh, do, like do 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 pitches intrinsically get worse? So the input or is degradation. It, or, yeah, or is it just that hitters are getting better at, at uh, yeah, or both? Like kind of kind of like, yeah. but like approaching it specifically from an intrinsic quality rather than outcome quality. Yeah, because I think outcome quality has a lot more factors to consider. So yeah. I'll, I'll call it Arsenal score fatigue. I think would be really really interesting. Interesting. Um, other things are aging curves for uh specific kind of similar things specific like intrinsic pitch quality and or uh like hitters hitters like swing decisions kind of so again there's been a little bit of research done on that end but most of it has been kind of like cut and dry like okay this is how hitters like walk percentage like goes over the course of their career and some of that is the fact that we only have stack ass data dating back to 2015 so you can only attribute a bunch of the stack ass metrics like exit velo launch angle uh spin rate um Lisbon Ray is in Pitch of X, like only to 2015. But if you can get an, an, a, a solid intrinsic uh, measure, either on the pitch side or swing side, and apply agent curves to that, I think there's still quite a lot of work to be done there on the public side of things. Yeah. And I'll say my third one is my third one is kind of uh, seeing the variance in kind of a dangerous inning, like like calling something a dangerous inning where your run expectancy either dips above or below a threshold a certain amount of times, uh, like based on, so so like, like maybe you put yourself in that three O count, basis loaded, zero ouch, and then how does, like how do you go from there? How does the, how are the number of runs you actually let in that inning compared to the run expectancy? Kind of that variance, like how much like pitchers yo-yo up and down in an inning. And this one's a little bit more complex and like something, one of the ones we might actually use to kind of use as a measure in gym when someone goes in, like that person had a dangerous inning, like regardless of how much, how hard they actually got hit or didn't get hit or how many pitches they used or didn't use, how much their performance yo-yoed relative to the right frequency and and breaking that down by count. So maybe like this guy does a terrible job when he's in a 2-0 count, like getting value out of that. But maybe he, maybe he puts people away when it's an 0-2 count, you know? kind of really trying to hammer home any sort of specific distinctions we can split by that. Cause I think a lot of times people use a broad, br- uh, brush. I almost, almost said breaststroke, 
they, they just breaststroke right over right over the, the the count situation. So um, okay, you don't have to you don't have to shove your breast in the in the in the picture there. <laughs> I've been doing some swimming. So so do, 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 have you actually? Yeah. The, you have access. To you a pool got to there? in Arizona. What's up? You have access to a pool around there. We have a pool in the backyard. Oh really? Oh, I didn't realize that. That's yeah, a big one. It's like a yeah. in Arizona. They're all over in Arizona. You don't have a pool. You're messing up. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go uh, right after this. Read a little it, and then swim. My, uh, yeah, and and what you guys don't see is my girlfriend's eating some disgusting food right off camera. Oh man, dude, we we were doing some good with this segment, but I, and I think it's so good. I think it's so good. What? <laughs> I was uh, kind of on topic with the dangerous anything. I was pretty interested. Uh, my last year in college, I was I was like putting a proposal together for motion capture stuff. And I wanted to look at like, do you think high pressure situations? Do you think certain uh, pitchers, maybe high level pitchers or low level pitchers? Uh, react differently mechanically like do you think it's possible that guys like uh and their mechanics end up getting uh or getting affected by like their stress level or yes. like the uh the uh just like high pressure situations because yes. there were there was also uh in vickers book they talked about it as well it's like a quiet eye the people who they like put athletes in a high stress situations raise their heart, their heart rate and all that stuff and then they found that the the athletes that were elite and they didn't get affected by that stress they like had a better quiet eye so i was wondering if there's maybe there's like a yeah i'd go i'd go similar as far effect to, with mechanics i'd go as far to say it's not even um it's not like unconscious too i think it's a conscious decision at least anecdotally all the time they yeah, like when, actually think i'm going to change this about my mechanics yeah when when like shit went south like walking people can't find the zone it, it was just like constantly searching whether it's like a different cue, uh, a different type of like, you know, mechanic or, or whatever, like trying to do something different. Um, I was doing that all the time as a conscious thing. Like I was like actively trying to be like, oh, well, shit, fucking mechanics ain't there today. Like maybe I'm opening up too early, falling off, whatever it is, that kind of a thing. So, so I would yeah. not be, uh, that would be awesome to be able to look at, like pitching mechanics uh, variability during like, you know, an inning that falls apart, like seeing if a guy's like trying to like hunt or find for also that's like a, that at the younger level at the college level, I think that's a very, very classic uh, mound visit, which is like a huge no, no, but it happens all the time. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say whatever the answer is on, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If there are wildly different answers at the MLB level versus college level as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Well, like, a, like a kind of like you have like a survivorship level, you know? bias too. Like people that make it to MLB yeah. probably don't have the same sort of variability in, in those mechanics as people in college do. Yeah. And I think there's, there's actually like a couple different things to this. Like one is you have the, there could be the coach who just does it wrongly, which is like in their mind, they go out to the mound and they're like, Hey, you're, you're falling off or you're striding too far. Like, <laughs> I think this happens at like the youth and high school level all the time, right? It's like yeah. you're going out there and it's like, do this. They're intentionally being serious and saying like your mechanics need to change to like execute better kind of a thing. But I've also had coaches and I think this is like the, the galaxy brain coach that goes out there and oh, says, oh, okay, okay, Joe, that says something, says something like that knowing that the mechanics aren't going to change, but just to get the pitcher's mind off of it kind of a thing. Yeah. I think there is like mm -hmm. some value to that, you know, like just like making up some sort of problem because it's really easy to be out there and in your head and be like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm really lost right now. And if it's, you know, the coach just goes out there and is like, Hey, you know, just like sit into your back hip a little more, right? Like your mechanics mm -hmm. might not change at all, but at least you just like were given something tangible when you're like lost, all yipped up out there, kind of a thing. So that that would be like really really cool to see a uh, uh, mechanical variability during like um, yeah one of those like innings that just gets out of control. I mean, I, know, Maybe, uh, I feel like mine personally would be like I, I think I do it at the level of arm slots all the time. It's like yeah, it I was higher, always told like low elbow, kind of yeah. Thing. Just yeah, like, dude, for sure. Or even just like on a pitch by pitch basis, right? It's like if I get if the if slider gets like hit a couple times hard in a row, just like I, I've changed, I have changed grips mid. -inning. <laughs> no I, I have completely <laughs> changed grips mid inning. Just like throw two sliders with like a spike grip, and they both get hit, 
And then the rest of the inning, I'm going like, you know, uh, two fingers closed on a completely different like seam orientation. Um, you, so you, you've changed uh, you've changed which part of the back, which part of the hitter's back you're aiming for mid inning. Exactly. I've seen that as well. Exactly. Yes. Do you think we'll be able to get more of this in game data? I know that like big league teams obviously are hoping to do this with with Simi and Kinetrax, but maybe we can get I'll some more in game. Uh, yeah, some more in game motion capture data with pitch AI. Yeah, we have we have the Kinetrax stuff. Oh, go ahead. I feel like that stuff you're going to need to be very, very accurate, especially at that level. At the youth level, have- I think there's potential. Because, again, I mean, like, less than 10%, that's probably fine with people that have, like, pretty high-variance uh, mechanics. But at the MLB level, uh, I'm pretty skeptical. that. Yeah, no, I was referring to more to the anything. amateur levels. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think at the amateur level, yeah. Yeah, do some, some interesting stuff there. Um I, I also think that's a analytics thing that that has always like interested me. That's the classic uh, coachism that I was always like, really, uh, the you know you need you need to have consistent mechanics, uh, kind of a thing, you know, and like more variability is bad. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not sold on it. All right, you, you guys, you guys want to try to save this uh, meandering podcast with our. Very polished upcoming segment. Yeah. Biomechanical yeah. deep dive. Yeah. Or what would we want to call this? Just just a specific look at what we churn out as a report for our athletes in gym, remote, so forth. And then you guys will kind of go through it and I'll ask some, uh, I'll either ask some questions or crack some jokes. But yeah, so I don't, I, I think we, we, uh, we haven't done it before. Uh, Definitely on the podcast. I think that there's some content out there about our, you know, uh, biomechanics work. It's basically just me like an, an applied biomechanics section. How we actually like uh, use the biomechanics report, walking through it, some things that we look for, uh, a little bit of a taste, and then maybe getting into later on. We could do like full on segments and breakdowns and uh, comparisons. Uh, quick. Screen share here. Uh, I do let not me, have sharing abilities. Sh- uh, let me check. Uh, do you know how to I'm not sure change- who the host is? Oh, I'm the host now. <laughs> Let's go. I can share. I'm not sure who the host is. Blowing smoke. What's do you up? know? Can you guys see this? Yeah, boy. Okay, so I got Visual 3D Professional pulled up right now. This is uh, this is an athlete. Uh, their mechanics from, I believe this athlete mo-capped on the 14th. So yeah. last Sunday. I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm fine of telling people if you are, I'm, I'm fine of admitting no, that's, that's me. That's my skeleton out there. <laughs> this is a hundred percent, not Alex Caravan. This throw specifically was 87.7. Uh, I'll put $500 down right now that you'll never throw a baseball 87.7 miles an hour off of a mound. 500 bucks that'll never throw 87.7 five ounce baseball uh, off of the mound right now like for like i have the rest of my life to do it yeah rest of your life to do it well well let, let's do a cutoff because i'm not i ain't throwing at like past 45 or i mean <clears throat> really i'm not throwing it past like nah <clears throat> how about 500 bucks on uh lindley what's what's your pr like 84 83 6 83 6 no how about, how about, 83 8 all right how about 500 bucks on 83 8 no and I, I have a decade to do it. No, I think that's doable. I think that's doable. Okay, man, we still have to start. When I get back, we got to start playing catch immediately so I can... Yeah, bro, I was going to play catch and you disappeared to Sacramento like two days after <laughs> we, we went do, out to Rubens. I'll do 100 bucks. I'll do 100 bucks on 85. And I'll do I'll do 500 bucks on 87.7. No, I'm, I mean, I don't think I'm reaching 87.7 either. I think I have a chance to catch catch Lindley's PR. I'll, just do, catch. I'll just do the five. I'll just, I'll just open the door 500. There's no like lose here. Like if you do it, I'll give you five hundred. Oh, okay, okay. Word. Eighty-seven point seven. Motivation to churn. I'll I'll give you five hundred if you hit triple digits. Off a mound. Mm-hmm. Five Holy ounce baseball. <laughs> so no. we both, you know, we both got some long shot motivations. Let's go, dog. <laughs> Mine is way more of a long shot than yours. What? I don't That's know. Bro. How you look at it. Okay. This, Brady's about to run off the uh, out of the podcast theater right now and start yeah, trading. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, <laughs> cut this short. Uh, I'm gonna. I gotta go. I gotta go throw right now. Th- throwing plows in the pool. Okay. okay. So this is a. Uh, so this is an athlete from Arizona. 
87.7 miles an hour. Um, uh, we, you know, collect biomechanical data uh, on a couple throws, get some averages. Um, this is what happens when we have the motion capture lab set up. We apply uh, all the markers to like various, you know, anatomical landmarks, recreating joint segments, joint centers. And then from there, we use visual 3D to process all of that data. Uh, and that recreates this, um, I mean, in this case for visual purposes, it's a skeleton, but if we like wanted to, we could remove, uh, the skeleton, oh, scapulas are still there, but really we're Drone. just creating like stick figures to measure Cylinders. the angles, uh, between segments. Oh, you want the, or cones. you want the, the segment geometry. Yeah. <laughs> I always think that one looks, that one looks weird. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're trying to recreate the segments of the body to calculate the angles from there you're able to get angular velocities accelerations and then actually these segments are a good indication of estimates for like mois uh for for the mass moment of inertia to then quantify things like kinetics forces torques uh all of that and go back go back from the beginning where the guys uh first kind of moving forward so, so, so a question kind of like, uh, I think I kind of don't answer this or, but, uh, so the Z, X and Y coordinates, are they set from just where his back foot is, or is that like just always set from the same spot in the mound? So this is a ground plane. Uh, the ground plane sets the orientation of, of the lab. So it could, uh, it could be variable throughout where, where they, where they start. So we calculate got that 10 minutes. off of the ground plane. So that, that, that changes throughout. Um, mm -hmm. but because we have the data, I mean, we can find out what this position is and then like understand, you know, stride length, stride direction. And, and what, what, what's the green, what's the green, orange, red, uh, kind of color coding of the arm. We just mapped, uh, signal values to the segments, mm -hmm. which you could do for anything. Like in the past, we've done it to show sequencing. Uh, but for this, this is the uh, kinetic values. So these are the uh, joint moments. This is the shoulder uh, internal rotation moment mapped to the humerus. And then on the forearm, you have elbow varus uh, mm -hmm. moment. And so you can just see where the uh, peak amount of stress experienced in the throw is, which is like that, that maximum layback when the arm goes from uh, like decelerates out of layback and or accelerates out of layback, um, into, into release. So that's, that's kind of just the visual portion, but the real, can, oh, before you, before you go to the report, can you go to some of the events? So like we break it up into different events so we can create metrics and like, uh, compare people as well. So we've got the events right here. Um, we can see this is this is the point of max hip shoulder separation lead knee height max uh but the main ones at least for like points of interest are going to be foot plant so positional metrics where the athlete is a foot plant we have a uh, maximum external rotation and then we also have like maximum elbow extension velocity ball release is right here uh maximum internal rotation so it's gonna be like the end range of motion of that um yeah we've just got various uh, points of interest that we can then compare on a like discrete metric basis uh, across people. And, and do you guys, because um, because we obviously have like the PDF report and other other outputs we give to athletes. How often do you guys sit down and and kind of like show this to an athlete, or do you ever do you ever do that, or just mostly for trainers? Every every time now. Not, you do you not, every time you every time you you're able to whip it up in a Visual 3D and kind of take them through yeah, their so motion. Not, not me personally. Uh, that was kind of the thing we set up last winter because visual 3d has a free, uh, version. And also like we've made some past, uh, study data, uh, publicly available. So if you download mm -hmm. the free version of visual 3d, you can pull up any of our CMZ from those. Studies. So, our so if trainers, I was an athlete, our trainers okay. have access to all of our, uh, CMZ files of the biomechanics report. So every trainer has access to exactly what I'm showing right now in the free version of visual 3d that they pull up during the biomechanics meeting with the athlete. And, and, and if you, if you're down like for a couple, a quick minute or two minutes demo, say I am this athlete, which I am, but say I am this athlete. And then you're, you're one of the trainers, you're taking me through it. What kind of, uh, what kind of intro or what kind of initial general thoughts are you kind of explaining to me 
So this is actually a unique one where this athlete actually has had two other biomechanics reports uh, mm-hmm. with us. I'm really positive. It might just be one. One of them being last year. No, I, I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> in gym. So in that event, uh, we'd probably start with, you know, what changed, that kind of a thing. But if this was their first biomechanics report, first of all, it, it's an overview of, like, what happens, mm-hmm. which is, like, a biomechanics, we're recreating this 3D model, and we're you know, uh, trying to you what your mechanics look like in space the value here is that we can look at you from like any angle whatever we want to do as you're you're going through the throwing as far as giving them something like tangible mechanically that we work on we would start with our like uh notes and, and drill scores and prescriptions and like flagged variables based on the bucket system that we've talked about before and getting into the report like the numbers are a lot easier to be like, okay, here's where you are. Um, and kind of like what can change uh, kind of a thing. I think the report is going to give the the best picture of that. So we go over like all this tabular data, what's good, what's bad, uh, how these graphs kind of look, how they should look. But I think the easiest tangible piece for the athlete across the board is always going to be these uh, overlaid signals within the report. And this is the um, signals mapped against the averages of the, uh, you know, hard throwers in our data set. So basically anyone that's come through and was 88 plus, you can see where your elbow flexion signal looks like throughout the throw compared to everyone else. So like here's a good example of like this athlete is, is doing what um, most, most of the throwers are, are doing. He's actually creating more shoulder horizontal abduction uh, into foot plan and out of it, which is, which is mm-hmm. pretty tight. That's a big marker that we look for. Um, this athlete, this throw specifically was 88.4. I want to say the average across the board was 88.07. So he would actually be an athlete that would be added in to this to data the, set to the, yep. of, of the 88 plus, which is good. That's what we'd expect. We would hope that his throwing, uh, mechanics would, would map similarly. If there was an athlete that wasn't able to create the same, uh, metrics and positions, it would be shown here. And I think there's actually one, if you look at hip shoulder separation, mm-hmm. you know, his, his is dipping down a little earlier. And one of the, the buckets reports notes that actually mm-hmm. showed up was how, uh, there was a good amount of counter rotation, like torso and pelvis angles are, are we're looking pretty good, but timing was uh, a little inefficient and had some room to improve. I think the pelvis was rotating a bit late when we look at kinematic sequencing, so looking at the order uh, of the kinetic chain kind of sequencing rotationally, um, this peak pelvis rotation is happening a little too late in the throw. And that was kind of the only like flag or knock that we had on this athlete. Ideally, we'd be seeing it um, a little earlier. And during the meeting, uh, it's like pretty common to pull up, you know, past reports, examples of like what looks good, like pretty fortunate that we have so many like 95 plus throwers in the database with mechanics that, that work well uh, within this model to show them like, Oh, you know, you should, you should be doing something like this, that kind of a thing. So you get, you get this report, which you get walked through with the meeting as well as uh, some additional like supplemental notes in, in track. And then also drill scores and programming built around uh, the efficiencies and efficiency, uh, all that. And and uh, why do you have two max external rotation markers there? The the two orange lines. Where's that? Or you have. What what do you, what do you have? Multiple aren't the orange lines? Aren't the orange vertical lines? The uh, mer. Are you saying here? Uh, no, oh, on the grass. Here. Oh, because it's a uh, three throws. In this, oh yeah, in right, this right. Okay, okay. So okay, this is the average signal, and then everything is synced to foot plant as far as yeah. the graphs go. But then it looks like, yeah, there was one throw where he experienced MER just a little bit later. Between foot plant and ball release, right? Yeah. Like, so the two endpoints are set, and then the things in between are kind of variable based on. Yeah, so you can see on this one, yeah, there was actually like a bit of variability uh, in MER uh, for, for, for this graph, three different points one, of MER. One interesting thing to me on the arm action graph, and you saw it even on the... Um, hip shoulder separation graph on the full signal ones when you're comparing to the yeah control uh you can see the like how how the uh 
various metrics like change in very in in variabilities or like mm-hmm. variance yeah. between guys. So like the horizontal induction in, in the elite throwing group, like what within one Wide standard variance, deviation, yeah. um, below the average, it's like I don't know, like to, within two standard deviations, there's like 30, 30 degrees of of difference there, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Uh, for and, and then it seems like it, it seems like it consolidates at max uh, external rotation too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and then the same kind of with uh, hip shoulder separation. So it's kind of interesting to see how how the different uh, how like throwing hard can be created differently with different like metrics. Oh, yeah. So like pelvis angle and torso angle are pretty pretty consistent, but then hip shoulder separation, which I assuming is just due to timing, is more uh, variable. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll throw this segment up on YouTube, uh, um, TBD on including an audio section. Yep. If we did, if we do include it on the audio section and you hate it, let us know. Yeah. Uh, our, our DMs are always open. Drop some reviews, that kind of stuff. But yeah, we'll have some new presentation styles for the podcast going forward. But yeah, yeah, that'll episode that, twenty. That'll, that'll wrap it. Hopefully, uh, new new changes. Uh, you know, and exciting updates coming to the Driveline R and D podcast. And I'm about to do a deep clean of this room. The, hosted, the second I sign primarily off. by Anthony Brady with uh, co-hosts Alex Caravan and Kyle Lindley. He's saying and, it enough times so he starts believing it. Yeah, yeah. Kyle it's, Lindley, it's fine, by bro. the way, has a great personal blog. Go check it out. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's fine, bro. We all know I get more DMs from uh, uh, podcast followers. We're end it there before Beep. Caravan says. It. <laughs>